Hello, family. It is so exciting to be here with you this evening. My name is Janelle Haynes. I am the owner, principal owner of Just Be LLC. I'm also a member of Toastmasters.org, current president of Eagle 7 Early Risers. And today is podcast number four. And I'm excited to have a guest named Takoa Hash, who is going to share her story. As you know, I've been building content and the purpose is to provide a space for people to share their stories. I feel like I know some extraordinary people who have extraordinary stories. And today we'll get to learn about Miss Takoa Hash. Hey girl. What's going on? Thank you for having me. I am so glad you are here. You have no idea how I am bubbling (laughs) over with joy right now. We have been talking about this moment for so long. We are finally here. And what is about to manifest is beyond anything I could ever imagine. So I just want to jump right into it. Are you ready? Let's do it. This is going to be the best one I've ever done yet. I already know it. I already know it. Oh, you're blessing my heart with that. Oh, man. All right. I'm just going to jump in. What is a little known fact that people don't know about you? A little known fact that people don't know about me. It's hard to say because I feel like I'm such an open book. I know. That's why I was like, do I ask that question? But maybe it's something you don't know. I I don't know what it is because I'm literally an open book. Um, You know, I'm, I'm a Pisces. So you know, I'm all I'm all in and I'm all I'm all out. And um, my freedom really comes from not not holding back. And you know, I'm I'm many layers of a, of a person. And so, um, I don't know what what one thing someone doesn't know about me. I re- I really really don't. Maybe I don't know. I was gonna say that I'm that I'm really a natural born writer and I don't write anymore. But a lot of people know that from. You know, the first part of my career in New York when I was a beauty editor and, you know, um, I did all of those things, but I, I don't know what someone doesn't know about me. I, I don't know. It sounds I, like... I, I feel like I, I hold... I, you don't hold back. I don't hold back. Yeah. I'm really suffocating. And you can confidently live your life out loud. You do. That I is do. so freeing. That's so freeing. freeing and I feel that you know at times in my life where you know i i didn't pour into myself and i didn't know myself uh maybe i did hold back but what i did recognize in that time is anytime that i did help hold back it made me feel like i'm suffocating and i don't want to suffocate for anyone like literally it makes me feel like i'm suffocating Uh, i never intend for my words to hurt anyone but when I feel like I'm not authentically speaking, it feels like I'm suffocating and I don't like that feeling. And so even if it uh, strains a relationship, it makes me feel like I'm being really true to me. That's awesome. And that's the most important. Yeah, it is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so tell me, what is your personal mission? And my personal mission is to impact lives. Um, and to continue to be authentic to who I am um, and to give myself room to grow and change and evolve. I've been known for a certain thing for 20 plus years and I see changes in me happening and and maybe because of, you know, prior success, it's 
a little bit more acceptable to others, but I, um, I'm giving myself room to, to, to metaphors into, into another person or into another being or, you know, into, into my higher self. So, um, you know, I'm still figuring it all out and, and giving myself room to do so and, and be curious about who I am. And, uh, I, and it, I, I don't have on the necklace right now, but, um, I'm carrying around little Tacoa because I, I don't have a lot of, I had so much early trauma in my life that I don't remember a lot about my childhood. Um, I, I hear it from other people. Um, and I'm talking about like seven and under, like, I, you know, I don't remember a lot about that, but I think it's because of some of the early trauma that I experienced in, in my family's life. And so I'm talking to little Tacoa more. I don't yeah. know if that answered your question, but that's where it is. No, it's the story. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all a part of the story. The fact that you are allowing yourself to take that journey is what's important about that growth and the evolving that, you know, is a part of your mission that you talked about. Yeah. You know, taking yourself to that place requires a lot of vulnerability. It requires a lot of time with self. Yeah. And I don't think people do that often enough. No. The the opportunity to build confidence in self comes from those moments. Because it you does. understand who you are, so then when you present yourself forward, there's no question. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's nothing that anybody can say to make you think that you're not being who you are. Because yeah. I've already checked in with me, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't think we do that enough. Yeah. Um, so this is the best place for you to share the information because I, there'll be somebody that'll hear that and feel like, oh, wow, with someone like a Tacoa or, you know, I'll say myself, you know what I mean? To be able to say that that's okay. You know what I mean? We just live in our lives every day and just trying to, trying to be our best selves. And this is the thing that's taking us there. I think that would be helpful for anybody to hear that checking in with self in that way is, is very valuable. Yeah. Um, yes. Tell me your elevator speech. What is your elevator speech? When I think of my elevator speech, I automatically think of the baby that I birthed in the form of the Technique Group, which is my baby, uh, my company that um, is thirst, uh, flourishing, thriving, and surviving through uh, entrepreneurship. So, you know, it's it's a full question because as I have built Technique, I've kind of put Tacoa's elevator pitch on the back burner. So I don't have one for myself, but I, I have practiced one and continue to perfect it. And I'm working with an executive coach to get me there. So my elevator pitch for technique that I feel that I can uh, somewhat confidently give people is that we are, are a premier full service glam agency catering to TV and film. We pride ourselves in being women founded, women owned, women operated, and we make sure that we are offering opportunities to black and brown creatives, giving them an opportunity to flourish within the TV and film space. I'm very proud um, to say that. And so that's pretty much my elevator speech for our company when we talk to production companies and we're trying to, you know, get them to take a chance on technique. And we say, hey, listen, we are a trusted source. We have over 10 years of experience. You 
you make one phone call and we can staff your whole project keeping your budget in mind and so it's one phone call one invoice for whatever glam needs you need for your tv or film production um and it's work you know and it's taken me a long time i've had many friends such as you help me with it along the way because sometimes when the gift is so close to you you don't know how to say it out loud to someone and and you know we do many things but that is the core of our business and super proud of it so when i i saw this question it's challenging me to find one for myself um and i'm very proud that i've been able to offer a platform to other creatives and professionals in the entertainment industry but i am also a brand and i'm starting to step out of my show with that and i need a Tacoa K hash elevator pitch. So, and you've been one of the people that has really supported me and saying, hey, you, you have something to say, you have something to offer. And so you're helping me build my confidence and, and think about Tacoa, you need an elevator pitch too. So, all right, we know about technique. We know that it's a brand, it's about women. It's a company that has grown and, and birthed inside of you and it has exploded in so many ways. I'm sure you, you weren't sure. Could happen at some point maybe, but you also felt good about the possibilities, right? And so if you were to tell your story, maybe before technique, right? Where would you start in that story? Where would you start to tell your story? And would you be the one to tell the story? Um, I think I would be the one to tell the story. I think I am a storyteller. I, I, my, both of my parents uh, were storytellers. My dad in the form of ministry and my, my mom in the form of just being a vibrant soul. Um, and not that she wasn't in ministry, but that wasn't her title, so to speak. And so um, I'm very good at telling stories. And when I saw that question, you know, I've had uh, many uh, influential people tell me you're going to be the one to write my story. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I think it would come for me. I think I have um, an authentic voice. I think I'm transparent enough to, uh, you know, remove the curtain, so to speak, and be honest about, you know, uh, the good and the bad of who I am, the failures and the successes of who I am. And when I think about when my stories start, I don't, I don't see a moment. Um, I don't see a moment, but I do see a young girl being really uplifted by my mom. I am a preacher's kid and, and you come from, you know, in a small town, a, a pretty affluent family. And my mom was independent thinking enough not to allow me to be confined by someone else's perception of me and who I should be as a preacher's daughter. And so my mom just really, uh, encouraged me and uh, pushed me to be an individual and not to be afraid of being different not to be afraid of you know going against the grain about what my what the expectation was on me and, and those memories um you know really has given me the confidence to to you know feel like a sore you know stand out like a sore sore thumb in the room and not feel like i um you know i don't belong there and so i'm, I'm super grateful for that it was cultivated at an early age. Yeah, and by your mom. Yeah. <laughs> How would literally be the one to say, you know, mo mostly as an adult, but when I would come home and we would go to church, she would literally be the one to say, wear the red lipstick. And you know, in a Pentecostal church, that's not always shined on. You know, put your boobs up, wear the tight dress, like <laughs> wow them, give them something to talk about, as opposed to like, you know, you know, 
you know, doing what is expected of you. And I'm just like, mom, you're crazy. But I appreciate that. And so I've oftentimes felt like the outsider in a room, but I felt comfortable and confident in my skin not to feel a need to fit in. Yeah, she saw your gift, right? And I think that's that's the beautiful thing about a mom, never not to a father, because their, their value is invaluable, right? <clears throat> but I will say mothers have this connection that allows them to see that thing that's different and that needs to be nurtured. You know, when we're paying attention, you have an opportunity to say, oh wait, I need to tap in that. I need to help my child tap into that. And I'm so grateful for your mom was the one who said, yeah, you're in this environment where it's a church and there's an expectation, there's this perception, but that's not defining you. This is not who I see that my child is from my heart. So I'm so grateful you shared that. I could not um, imagine or I, I'm, I'm excited about the idea of imagining what that looked like in a book or in a story, like to see that come to life, that would be awesome. Uh, Jerry oh. probably knows, Jerry knows the story. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sure. Together. Yeah, uh, but I see I see that in you too. Um, yeah. I see how you cultivate your kids' gifts and their individuality. And I commend you for really tapping in and seeing that and, and, and allowing yourself to learn from them and who they are. So I, I see a similar quality in you. Kudos to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So we're checking in with self, right? And when we check in with self, sometimes you need somebody else, like you said, to kind of remind you or hold you accountable. You have that group of people or person that just holds you down. It's like in sports, you got your starting lineup. So if you were, and you don't have to name the individuals, but maybe talk about some of the attributes of people that are in your starting lineup. Uh, well, my wife is in my starting lineup. Um, you know, this is the most freeing relationship I've ever had where I've never had to um, dumb down who I am or, you know, put someone else's needs before mine. Like, you know, yes, we are a team, but we both show up as individuals. And I've never felt more empowered to to be authentically who I am and, and to continue to go to new heights with who I am at different stages. And, and, and you know, it looks different day to day, quarter to quarter, year to year. But mm -hmm. I always feel uh, that consistent uh, support. God is one. That's that's one. When I read it on the paper, I was like, I would have died. <laughs> that's God first. He number one. Yeah. But when I think about humans on earth, it's definitely uh, my wife, um, my best friend, Monique. Um, she, you know, we finish each other's sentences. She reads my mind. Um, she's one of the most non-judgmental people I know, but she gives you very sound advice and, you know, and it, it doesn't come with judgment and I'm so grateful for that. And so those are two people, you know, I feel like um, at different stages of life, we all need mentors. I don't want to be the biggest person in the room ever. Yes. yes. Because if I'm the biggest person in the room, then how can I, what do I have to reach for? And I never want to stop reaching. So at different stages of my life, um, I've had mentors for different reasons. Most of them have turned into sisters or best friends. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but I, I am always looking to cultivate relationships where, um, from people that I can learn something from that I haven't experienced and that I could hear authentically what they're trying to teach me. 
um, I won't name this person's name, but she is a client, probably one of our biggest clients. Um, but she's poured into me in so many ways, really before we had a friendship. And I, I oftentimes have to go back and, and she's a tough black woman, go back and thank her. She eight years ago, I don't even know how we got here, but like it led on her. I had a, you know, had some daddy issues, you know, um, and, and didn't really hold him in the highest regard for many years for the wrong reasons. Cause he was an amazing father. And she told me to fix my relationship with my daddy. She told me to fix my credit. I didn't even know as an entrepreneur, that was a thing. Like how I'm gonna fix my credit when I don't know how much money I'm making day to day, month to month, week to week. Like I, yeah, I wasn't thinking about buying a house and nothing. Like she yeah. put me on the path to do those things. And like, as much as I miss my father on this earth, I know that I genuinely fixed that relationship. Wow. That's, that was some important closure for you. Yeah, yeah. And she knew that. It, it's yeah. amazing how people, God will put people in your life, genuinely place them in your life to see something in you that's that's necessary. Yeah. Something that needs to be done or see a gift and pour it into that. And that's why it's so important to me for that relationship with God to be first. So like you said, your starting lineup, you know, it's so easy to name people because we're here yeah. on earth in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. But to right. your point, I think that is what's been you know, leading and guiding this process that both of you, both of us have been talking about so long, which is why this just makes it so exciting for me because when I talk to you, I'm immediately reminded of the word obedience. It immediately sets and settles in my soul. And so if I just take that word, if I just throw it out there at you, obedience, what does that word mean to you? Um, obedience, uh, what do they say? Obedience over sacrifice, but obedience literally comes with a major sacrifice because you literally, and, and it's, it's, it's like, you have to have faith in the thing that you can't see, uh, to do what, you know, your maker is telling you to do. And so obedience really to me is gold. Like for real, it showed up as gold in my life, hands down. Like my life is completely different because of being obedient. Like literally, I did not have a blueprint for starting this business. I didn't, it, it like in the way that technique has done it, it hasn't been done before. I didn't even know what kind of money we could make with it. I didn't know what type of deals we could close. But I knew I wanted to impact people's lives and give them opportunities that I had been given and we're over a decade strong and we've impacted thousands of people's lives. Um, and I, and, and I'm talking about people that are going to go down in history and yeah. even if we touch them in a small way, um, it's been worth it. And, you know, in building it, it all, it oftentimes felt like, dang, you putting yourself on a back burner. You could be getting them same checks too. Cause we get a cut of that check and that, check gotta be cut down that percentage gotta be cut yes. down a thousand different ways before I see a piece of the profit but it wasn't about money to start this business it was really about impacting people's lives and so my obedience got me some yeses like you know I literally went to Mona like let me do this I want to start an agency I got a name I got an LLC mm. technique you know I've tried different businesses under this name but this is what I can do for you under this name and she said yes so if I wouldn't have been obedient 
and and humble myself to just ask the question like I want to stop being so afraid of asking for something when you have value to bring to the table because it's only two answers you can get what are we so afraid of um and so obedience um obedience keeps you out the weeds it does and even in the obedience when you're in the weeds there's a certain protection that comes with it and I haven't seen it fail me I haven't seen it fail others that I've seen do it I'm just asking God to I'm the you know Jojo calls me Harriet Tubman I'm defiant I'm, I'm defiant I, I can see that that's something I can clearly see that something is in my best interest and I'll still fight it so yeah. obedience is something that comes easily for me but when I think about the times that I have been obedient, it's blessed my whole life. It's blessed anyone around me's life. So, you know, I just, I want more courage to be obedient and less defiance in doing so as, as I, you know, continue to take steps. Okay. So we were wrapping up obedience and I love the way you stated all the things as it relates to obedience and the benefits of being obedient. And I think the greatest gift of obedience is the covering. Oh. It's unlimited. Like you don't have to worry when you decided and you have surrendered to God's obedience. He's never going to separate you from His covering. That's a message I heard on today. That oh, good. That's a good why? Name. Why y'all worry? He gave you that gift. He gave you that gift when you were in your mother's womb, and it's protected for life. It is. We accept that that happy has that protection living in it it's not necessarily easy but there's a certain level of comfort that you feel moving forward in your gift and so i thank you for just bringing that to realization for me because it really has truly helped me in this season where i'm evolving you know to the podcaster going back into a space where i enjoy speaking publicly and talking to people and your gift definitely has to be shared with the world and so when i think about your gift who believed in you the most oh my mama hands down my mom hands down but i you know i felt special in it but i know that she made hundreds of people feel that way like literally like she made people feel like they could do anything in life like she just just felt like do do it with fear remove the fear walk through the fear but do it and and i remember uh my mom was definitely my biggest cheerleader she literally thought there's nothing that i could not do i mean to a fault like almost like <laughs> unrealistic. Like, like you know that perfect yeah, uh, like, uh, but you know she i i love to tell the story you know because it's why I've been able to persevere. It's, it's just really one of the reasons why, like a couple of things, you, you know how you tell your child to go look for something and they come back and be like, I can't find it. You know with a shadow of a doubt that it's right there where you told them it was. <laughs> yeah. and still, I was always that kid. And she'd be like, I'm gonna beat you if you don't come back with it, right? <laughs> like, I, like, don't come back till you find it. And I remember I wanted this, um, I'm sure I've told this story before. I wanted this Brooke Shields Barbie doll. And it was hard to find because Brooke Shields was the bomb back then. And I could barely read. And she tried, like we went to a few stores, couldn't find it. And my mom didn't even have a car at this time, but she was willing to make the sacrifice. She 
you know, my dad would be traveling with the car and, you know, we didn't have a car. And I remember her asking for Ross to go and get this doll and I just would not let it go. Like, I want this doll, I want this doll. <laughs> and she gave me the phone book and was like, don't stop until you find this doll. And if you don't find this doll, I'm up, yo. <laughs> you know, she put the fear of God in me. And yeah. so uh, she's always been my biggest cheerleader. You know, I was very, the second time I, I tried to move to New York, I tried to move with her without her blessing the first time on the low, but that didn't work, thank God, because I wasn't ready. But the second time, you know, a few years later, you know, I was like, okay, I really want this. Um, but, you know, the place that I can afford to live and where my job is, I, I'm going to need a car. And she was like, oh, you can have my car. Like she was with it. Like it wasn't even like, we got to talk to your daddy. I got to pray about it. I got to think about it. Like. I think she knew that I belonged in New York um, and that was where I was supposed to go. And she did, she didn't have any money to give me, but she had a a, a car that didn't have a car note. That <laughs> okay. It was a Pontiac Bonneville. Everybody used to laugh at me, but oh, everybody used yeah. to get up in that joint, you know? <laughs> but, you know, that she let me take her car to New yeah. York. You know? So like, definitely she is the person um, hands down, that just think thoughts, and in heaven thinks that I can do anything on this good green earth. What is the hardest decision that you ever had to make, and who did uh, it affect the most? Uh, well, the, the hardest decision I ever had to make was well, moving to Atlanta. That was the hardest. That was probably the first time I really, well, not the first, but like when, when I think about this word obedience, like when I, when I started technique, I don't really think about obedience. I really wanted this thing. And I was just, <laughs> I, I, I'm about to do it. I was just, you know, but, but moving to Atlanta was hard. Um, I built my adult foundation in New York and I never imagined living anywhere else. And I, maybe because Atlanta was so familiar to me because I'm from the South that I just didn't want to be that. Like, I, you know, New York was the Mecca. It was the Mecca, it was the Mecca. So I was very comfortable in my life um, in New York. Um, and and I didn't have a desire to move at all. Um, and so that was definitely the hardest decision I ever made. Like I built a family there, like the best friends that I could ever ask for. Like, and I, and I make this comparison, um, and, you know, New York, I could tell my wealthy friends, I don't have money to go out to dinner with y'all. Like, you know, you invite me to, I don't, I don't have it today. Whether they decided to pay for me or not, I didn't feel less than, I didn't feel ostracized by that. I, I still felt good enough or enough, you know? Here, I feel like you tell somebody you ain't got money to go out to eat here. They is not messing with you, no money. Like, all right, then we'll see you. Okay. In the next lifetime, <laughs> you know, 